0: please. Praise the Lord. Last Sunday we had a missionary guest speaker so I did not get to preach a thanksgiving message. I deliberated for some time about what I would preach on this morning and I want to share some things to you about being thankful. And I want to talk about this topic. I am thankful for people. I know you instantly think about people you're not thankful for. And I did not say I was thankful for everybody. But I am thankful for many people that I have known and that I know. It's a challenge to live for God with others. If you were the only one living for God, it would be so easy, wouldn't it? The truth is it would be much more difficult, but sometimes we feel like that. Or if I just did. You know, we dwell on other people and we think a lot of things about other people. And, and, and we have to because we're interacting with other people all the time. There's a lot of us here this morning. We have to live together. We have to love each other. We have to get along according to the terms of the Scripture. If we would all do what the Bible teaches us, we'd be in heaven in a heavenly state, I mean to say. Today, wouldn't we? If everybody did exactly what the Bible teaches nobody ever got offended, nobody got their feelings hurt. Or if they did, they forgave immediately and went right on like nothing had happened. Prayed and sought God and prayed for the person that Said a wrong word, maybe unintentionally. Nobody trying to do harm. Nobody's ever trying to harm the other person, but we're always doing it anyway. You know, somebody wrote a little verse one time that said, To live above with saints we love, my, that will be glory. But to live below with saints we know, now that's another story. (laughs) I've been blessed in my life. I, I, I've known a lot of wonderful, wonderful people. And I'm not going to speak about anybody in this church today because if I do, I could not get to the end of the list. There are people in this church. I love everybody in this church. There are people in this church that I especially love because they love me so much. And, and they've supported me and helped me. And several years ago when I first came I started to say, be a part of this congregation. That's not true. This congregation didn't exist back then, but when I came to be a pastor of a church in Orange Park, people told me as I prayed about it and as I really deliberated before God what His will would be for me, and I did really take that to God. Would I stay? Would I stay when I was, when I was asked to stay? Would I stay? And I really went to pray about it, and God helped me a great deal. Because people came to me, I would say maybe about three different people, I remember, came to me and said, the Lord has shown me a word for you. I'm careful when I hear that. This was good. And it was basically this. God's going to send you the people that you need to help you. And that is a promise that God has fulfilled. That people in this church, if Jesus doesn't come and we're all alive in 10 years from now and I'm up up talking to somebody about people I remember like I'm going to talk about today, I will name some of you in this congregation. Because there are people in this church that I will never forget. God sent you on an assignment and you accepted that assignment and you have been a right arm to me And I expect you to be until I'm gone or until Jesus comes. Because you accepted what God told you to do. You took his assignment. You're fulfilling God's will. And you make that possible. You make it possible for me to be the pastor of this church. If it were not for many of you, I will tell you I would have been gone a long time ago. I I couldn't have held up. So I depend on you. I count on you. You're faithful and loyal and I love you with all my heart. And I'm going to tell you about some people, and I think this is appropriate to talk about people. And I say, I'm thankful for people. I think it's appropriate to talk about that. Paul did so much of that. And if you read his epistles, you'll find that again and again and again at the end of his epistles, he spoke about people who were there, fellow ministers with him, holding him up. There was only one or two times in his ministry he was ever alone, and God filled that gap by sending other people in. But Paul again and again and again referred to people that he appreciated and for whom he was thankful. And he wanted to let the body of Christ know about it. When he came to the end of 1 Corinthians, writing that letter, Paul said, And they are with me, these people are with me. And he named them. Stephanus, Fortunatus, Achaicus, And then he mentioned Aquila and Priscilla who had a church in their home who sent greetings to all the people in Corinth. But he said, these people are are here with me, holding me up, ministering with me before the Lord. When he came to the end of Ephesians, he spoke of Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, who was there with him, again, supporting him in his ministry, blessing him and helping him. Philippians opens with what he usually closed with, Philippians opens with an address And he mentions Timothy in the very beginning of Philippians. Speaking of Timothy's faithfulness and how he was so stalwart, holding on to God with Paul. When he came to the end of Colossians, he was abundant in his praise for many other people. There were more with him. He mentioned Tychicus, the same person that he had already mentioned in Ephesians. Colossians, he says, Tychicus is still with me. And Onesimus, the runaway slave who had come under the guidance of God who had been brought in and was now a big supporter of the Apostle. Then he mentioned Aristarchus, Justus, Epaphras. He called Luke the beloved physician. That's where that comes from. And he said, Luke is with me. As well as Demas, who was serving God with him there. Second Timothy has so... Many numbers of names, I'd, you just read it and go to the end of Second Timothy and read all the names that Paul says were with him, standing with him, supporting him. He remembered them, is my point. At the end of uh, Philemon, that little, remember that little one chapter book in the Bible just before Hebrews? One chapter that Paul wrote to the man, the Christian man Philemon, whose slave Onesimus had run away and now had joined Paul because he had come to salvation. He became a part of Paul's ministry and did not know that Paul knew his former master, but Paul did. And then Paul addressed a message to Philemon and said, I'm sending this man back to you who has become very profitable to me, and now he'll be more profitable to you as well, and I want you to put anything that he may owe you to my charge. That was what Paul wrote about Onesimus, who was there with him in this ministry. And then he went on to mention Epaphras. A fellow servant, they mentioned Mark, the man who had turned away from him and and uh, Barnabas, but had come back and was now received and very valuable in supporting Paul's ministry. Aristarchus, Luke again, his fellow workers, all of he didn't name all of he said all of my fellow workers. So that was just a really complimentary thing on the part of the apostle Paul. And if I were writing my memoirs in a way to speak of my thankfulness and my praise for other people. I, I would have a lot of people to name. I've already told you, a lot of you would be on my list. There are people from my past who are on my list. I found, however, in this, in this visit of nostalgia that kind of swept over me with my birthday being not long ago, and then coming to Thanksgiving and coming up to Christmas, I always get rather uh, uh, nostalgic at this time, and I start thinking about things in the past, and I think about mostly good things, and every now and then I think about a bad thing. And uh, uh, But I, this is what I've learned about people, individuals, serving God, who get offended and get uh, disturbed and distressed at something that they hear being taught or something that is said or something they don't understand or something that they misinterpret. And I've had that happen again and again and again. But what proves the value of what you believe and what you think and what you're saying and what the same thing for me? What proves the value of whether we're right in our interpretation of what we've heard and what we've disagreed with? What proves the value of that is how we act in response to it. Do we begin to act carnal and talk about everybody that said something that we think we, that we disagree with and we don't like? Do we begin to act carnal and act fleshly and not in the Spirit? Or do we, in spite of all things, continue to walk in the Spirit, live spiritually, do what God has told us to do, practice the Word of God, and prove our spirituality by taking the more excellent way that Paul spoke about in 1 Corinthians 13? That's what we all ought to do, every time. I've had people that did that, forgave me when I didn't even know I needed forgiveness. I've had people who forgave me, and then I've had other people who would not forgive me, no matter what, because I was wrong and they were right. And they proved their lack of value because they acted outside the Scriptures. I was willing to forgive anybody. A lot of people have never been willing to forgive me. I know you can't believe that. But I wasn't always the mild, generous, loving, gracious pastor that I am today. I don't want to talk about people that I remember in the negative. And yet I'm going to mention just one, just so that you'll know that everything has been perfect in all the people that I remember. And yet, I will tell you about this person before I tell you this little story. It's a true event, not just something that i made up. This is true. I, I, I will tell you that in spite of everything, at the end of things, my feelings had come back to the place of the love of God, just like I wanted to be. And I think that this person gained something out of this as well through a long struggle. You know, the gifts of the Spirit are wonderful in their power, in their revelation, in their expression. New reads uh, uh, in, in uh, First Corinthians about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's wonderfully powerful. And it goes on to talk about all the wonders of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, especially in the nine spiritual gifts. And then he comes to the end of all of that teaching, and at the last statement of that chapter 12, where he's talked about all of this wonderful power of God, he says, And yet I show unto you a more excellent way. And then he goes on to write 1 Corinthians 13. The power of love is the greatest power of the Holy Spirit that you can ever know. Enabling you to love other people, act in accordance with the personality and the Spirit of Christ, and show to them the love of God, even when it seems that they're in total disagreement with you and and, and are in opposition to you. That's the test of the true Christian faith. The true Christian walking with God and walking in the Spirit. That's the test of it. One morning in a Sunday morning service, I'm telling this because it's, it, it is so applicable to several people that I've known in Orange Park. Frankly, that's why I'm telling you this. One Sunday morning, my choir director had uh, led the choir. Wonderful Spirit of the Lord present in the service. The Spirit of God began to move. Sleeping little people started to weep. And the Holy Spirit was just working in, in precious ways. Really in deep, precious ways. And... Uh, People were raising their hands, praising God. Some were speaking in tongues. Just, just glorifying the Lord. I've always been in a Pentecostal church. You know, this is not the first one I've ever been in. So so that's what they were doing. And, and then I heard somebody speaking in tongues. I heard it. I honestly thought when I heard it that it was an expression of praise and worship. I didn't hear it come out as a message in tongues. So when the service was over, it was my choir director. And when the service was over, she came by walking out. I always stood at the front door just like I do now, shaking hands with people, welcoming, glad-handing people, you know, just happy they're there. And I was happy that she was there. She led the choir greatly that morning. She walked out, and as she walked past me, she said, Anybody that insults my Jesus insults me. Just about like that. And I didn't understand what she said anymore. You probably understood what I just said. But that's the way she said it. I said, oh, wait a minute. What did you say? She said, I'll tell you again. Anybody that insults my Jesus insults me. I didn't know I'd insulted her Jesus. In fact, I didn't know because then he was her Jesus. I thought he was all of our Jesus. She told me he was hers. Exactly what she said. And I said, "What?" oh, then I remembered. I heard her speaking in tongues. And she thought that she had given a message in tongues that I had not accepted it and not received it and not given her expression in the church to say that. Now, before anything goes any further, any further than this moment, this second right now, and this is good for you to know, who was right and who was wrong in that moment. Not to boost me up all that much, but the fact of the matter is, she was wrong and I was right. Even if I had done what she said, even if I were guilty, knowing that she had a message in tongues, and said, basically, I don't like her, and I don't want to hear it. If I, had, if I had done that, what should she have done? She should have walked out that morning, and she should have shaken my hand, and she should have said, God bless you, Pastor. I'd like to talk with you later on, maybe. She might have said that, or she might not have said anything. God bless you, Pastor. I love you. Thank you for your message this morning. That would have been 1 Corinthians 13. I've had people in this church, and this is the reason I say it. I wouldn't mind saying it if they were sitting here this morning, but none of them are. I would still say it if they were. I've had people in the church who believe that they were giving a message in tongues or a message from the Lord spoken out a message. I want to hear that. I want to receive that. But everything that people says that God, is, think that God is giving them at a moment in time in a public service is not necessarily from God. And I've got a responsibility to determine when it should be heard and when it should not. I will accept that responsibility. Hope that people will rejoice in it and be glad at trying to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. But everybody can't do that, especially if they're the ones that did it. And I'm thinking of spots in this church right now where there have been people who thought that, and they can't handle that well enough to keep being in the house of God and serving God. That is wrong, my friends. Now, I could tell you about a few other people similar to that, but I don't want to dwell on that. I'd like to, re- I'd like to renew those people who think that they know more about the moving of the Holy Spirit than the person who's designated by God to lead the service know. I'd I'd like to spend more time with them. I'd like to teach them. But most of them, once I go back to them, don't want to hear anything I have to say. And so what can I do? I'm just going to go ahead and do what I believe is the Holy Spirit leading and follow the Holy Spirit and expect everybody else, including me, to walk in 1 Corinthians 13. The lady I just talked about years ago, I was telling you about, left the church for a long time. She stayed out for months and months and finally came back realizing that she had made the wrong decision. Praise God for that. So I remember people like that, and certainly you do too. You remember things you wish you could forget. You, you remember things you would prefer to forget than to remember. I'm the same way. But I will tell you this, I remember some wonderful people who made my life. And this is what I dwelt on this week as I started thinking about being thankful for people. I started dwelling on people that God has put in my life, just like God has put many of you, all of you, but some of you in special ways. He's given assignments to, to help me. And by the way, when I say he's given you assignment to help me, I'm not, talking, I'm not looking for somebody to be my armor bearer, as they say. I think that's the terminology that I use. I'm not looking for somebody to carry my Bible for me. I'm not looking for somebody to take my coat when I take it off and stand there to put it back on me. I'm not looking for somebody to walk around with a whisk broom to make sure all the dust is off my clothes and and, and, give me, and, and you know, give me a handkerchief if I need to blow my nose. I'm not looking for that. Don't even want that. But that's the, uh, whatever ministry that is, God's not going to give you that ministry to me because I, I don't want it. But I know there are people who think that's a good thing. No, I'm not, I'm talking about people who take a place in the building of the church, who take a place in the kingdom of God, who say, this is where God's, this is my assignment. God's called me to be the evangelist. God's called me to be the prayer leader. God's called me to be a teacher. God's called me, God's called me, Pastor. And He's called me to serve under your leadership. And I've had so many people tell me this. He's called me to serve under your leadership. And I thank God for you. And when I hear that, I thank God for them too. And I thank God for you. I will remember many of you, as long as I live I'll remember you for great things that you've done to make it possible for me to be the pastor of this church. And other people through my life have done that. I've told you the story. I've told you most of the stories that I've told more than one time. But but one reason I tell these again is because they'll be good for somebody to hear them another time. But the other thing is, a lot of you haven't heard some of these things I've told, and I know you haven't because you're, you're fairly new, and so... So if you've heard something I tell before, don't think that i am got so senile I don't remember that I've told it. Uh, I'm just telling it again for for a different effect. So I've told you about the time that I was working in the summer in a munitions factory, sweaty. And I believe this is between my first and second year of college, and I knew God had called me to preach. And I kept saying, Lord, get me out of this. Deliver me out of this. Bless me and help me, oh Lord, but give, have somebody call me to preach. Nobody wanted me to preach that summer, not anybody, not even people who had said to me in times past, I want you to come be with me as soon as you can. I'd call them, I can't have you right now. Nobody wanted me to preach. And so I went through that time thinking, well, nothing good is going to happen. Nothing good is going to happen this summer. And, you know, I even went, that was years, it was years later before I made this connection. I had a man in our family, I, I called him Uncle Gus. He was not my uncle, he actually was my mother's first cousin. But in those days, you know, young people didn't go up and say, hey Gus, how are you? No, uh, they said, mister, or in our case, we always called them uncle, because it was too formal to say mister, and we never sure were going to just walk up and say him by the first name, unless we wanted a long-term reminder not to do it again. So, he was my Uncle Gus. And, and he, was, he was prosperous. He and his brother, men of the world, away from God, had a praying mother, my grandmother's sister, a praying, praying mother, who prayed that, that both of them got saved gloriously, became servants of God. They were, they were lumbermen. They ran a, a lumber mill They were very prosperous. I went to my Uncle Gus, and I, at, that, at the end of that summer, and I said, you know, Uncle Wes, I, I get a lot of invitations to preach. And I can't go to preach and most of them because I'm in school. I don't have any way to go to get there. I said, and if somebody had come to me and offered me a car. I'd just take over the payments on it. Somebody in the family couldn't keep it and take over the payments. And I said, I've had this offer of this car, and I, I, I know I can't afford it going to school. I just wonder if you might be able to help me some with this. And he said, how much are the payments on it? I said, they're $50 a month. <laughs> you say I spend more than that on dog food. <laughs> but in those days, that was a lot of money. $50 a month was a lot of money. It way more than I could come up with, especially going to school. He said, well, send me the payment book. I sent him the payment book. He made every payment on the rest of that car. I drove that car all through, that, through the rest of college. I mean, not just the... That car, after one year, I had got three years of college, I drove it right on and on. In fact, I drove that car right on up to the time to just before, shortly before Carolyn and I were married, I drove that car. And this is what it was. It was a 1950 Chevrolet. They made a Bel Air. They made a 250. They made a 150. Way down at the bottom of the line. Especially if it was black with a manual transmission. That's what mine was. But you know, I drove that car with pride and thankfulness. And I, that car took me to preach the gospel probably more than any other wood car as I went out on weekends in college and went to places to preach. Drove it one time all the way from North Georgia up into, uh, well, up into some part of Kentucky that I couldn't even find again. And just went out on weekends preaching because, because my Uncle Gus made that possible. I thought about this, it, all that that miserable summer, all oh, that miserable summer that I spent. And God showed me it was his will, I was in his will, and I've told you that. And 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 then for my Uncle Gus to give me that card. First person that ever gave me a car, first person in the ministry who ever gave me a significant gift of any kind. But he gave me that little black Chevrolet, paid for it, paid the last of it. And I drove that car on and on and on until I finished school. And then after that, I was preaching in revivals all over East, all over North Carolina and South Carolina. And while I was doing that, I was driving that little black Chevrolet. Everywhere I went, I drove. And, you know, I never thought about it not being a Bel Air. I never even thought about it not being a 250. I put a little chrome around the handles, and that was all the chrome that was on the car. <laughs> and just drove it, drove it with thankfulness. And thank God for my Uncle Gus, a man, a man that I would never forget because he touched my life. I'm thankful for people, many people I'm, I'm deeply thankful for. I went to pastor a church when I first came into the Assemblies of God. I will tell you how long ago this was just so you can get a frame of reference. In 1961. Carol and I launched a church in Tarpon Springs, Florida. That church is still there, First Assembly. By the way, there are two churches there now, in fact. And uh, we launched that church, and and uh, and I. They told me I met I, I met the district officials. Brother J. D. Courtney was the superintendent at the time. J. I uh, just a side issue here, side point here. I'm talking about being thankful about people. And I had so many things flooding through my mind, but. That man, J.D. Courtney, was the superintendent of this peninsula Florida District of of God at that time. He had dedicated Carolyn back when she was a baby in, North, in Greenville, South Carolina, where he was a pastor at that time. And then later on, Billy, by the way, he came up to Tarpon Springs and dedicated you. The superintendent of the district came to a little know-nothing church, nothing-nothing church, because of his love for people love for us, and came and dedicated our firstborn child. So, anyway, so we went to that church, and, and, uh, they, and they, but the district official said, we don't, we don't pay salaries, but you can take 75% of the offering as your income. Well, that sounded good to me, 75%. I would do that deal here any time, take 75% of the offering. No, no, no. But, so they offered 75% of the offering, and then it took me about a week or two, but it dawned on me, Seventy-five percent of nothing <laughs> is nothing. <laughs> so we were there with a baby and a 1957 Oldsmobile. I might tell you a little bit about it in just a minute. That wouldn't halfway run. It wasn't because it was old and it just wasn't any good. A 61, a 57 Oldsmobile, and it, it, it was just, <clears throat> sorry, sorry, Clark. Anyway, so, 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 along came a lady, her name was Pansy Bryan. She had initiated getting that church started, bought the land, and built the building, so it was a great, wonderful thing. And I was there as the pastor, with no income. We lived in the back of the church. We lived in the back of the, in a little apartment in the back of the church, that was probably about the size... I don't see anything that small in here. Maybe about the size of this platform up here, where we lived in the back of the church. And, and, and Miss Pansy came to me one day, and she said, Pastor, I know that uh, you're supposed to get 75 percent off, and I know it's not enough for you to live on. She said, don't tell anybody that she'd always say that. She was a very wealthy person, owned a big dairy farm nearby. And she said, don't tell anybody. She said, I'm going to start putting $100 a week in the offering beyond what we've been doing because I want want you to have that $75 a week that that will come from that. And I thanked her and thanked her. Later on, I thanked her again. (laughs) But you don't forget somebody like that. And she did it as long as I was there, as long as I was on that percentage basis. As long as that went on, she put that $100 a week extra in that offering. Above and beyond her tithe, she put that extra $100 a week in there because she wanted to bless Carolyn and me. And after my first car was given, I'm talking about people now. I'm not talking about money and I'm not talking about cars. I'm talking about people. Because I, to this very day, when I think about Pansy Bryan, I think good thoughts. She's going to be with Jesus now. I think good things. I praise God that God put her in my life. When I needed somebody like her, God put her there. And he does that. He does that. He gives you the one that you need at the time that you need that person. Think what a blessing she would have lost if she hadn't done it. And how much it would have meant me if she hadn't. But she obeyed the Lord and made it possible for me to continue to pastor that church which grew from nothing to about 150 or 75 people. Before we left, and it wasn't because of any problem with anybody, certainly not with her, just we felt it was the leading of God to another place. But she was so kind and gracious. One day she came to me. I told you, about, I mentioned my 57 Oldsmobile. Does anybody remember what a 57 Oldsmobile looked like? It was real, real ugly. And, and, and I had one that half the time wouldn't run. So it, it, something happened to the transmission on it. a little incline on the side of the churchway part. I had to back it up onto the incline so I could get a rolling start to go anywhere. <laughs> so I was trying to pastor a church with a 57 Oldsmobile, build. Didn't have any air conditioning. Didn't have any power steering. It was a big old honking car. You know, it couldn't hardly turn like turning a big truck with no, with no power steering. One day, Ms. Sister Brian Pansy came to me. She said, Pastor, would you like to have a new car? <sighs> I'm thinking, I would I? I said, Well, that would be nice. She said, Well, my son and daughter-in-law are going to trade their car in. It's a Pontiac. I knew what it was. I'd seen it lots of times. a Pontiac Ventura. And, and she said, so I want you to ha- have that car if you'd like to have it. I said, well, I always called her Sister Brian. I said, well, Sister Brian, I, I would love to have it because I don't think we can afford that even with your $75 a (laughs) week. She said, oh, no, no. She said, I I want to make, if you wanted it, I just want to know if you wanted it, and if you do, I'm going to make it possible for you to get that car. So when they trade it in, I'm going to tell them to hold it for you. And you go down there and you work out with them the best deal that you can and, and set up the payments on it, and you come back and tell me about it, and I'm going to take care of the payments for you. Now, to get a car when you don't need a car... That's, that's a good thing. But to get one, when you're one you've got, just won't hardly run. You can't count out to do anything. The transmission broken and Everything about it is bad. It's a wonderful thing to get one then. So so, so she, I, I did just exactly what she instructed me to do. Went down and did that, got that, came back to her, and I said, Sister Brown, this is what the payments are. It doesn't matter. You just give me the payment book. And I handed her the payment book, and she made every payment off and then on it until we owned the car. Now, I'm not talking about people giving me cars. I'm not talking about giving, people giving me money. And I'm not talking about people doing things for me. I'm talking about people who fill a place where God puts them, who take the assignment that God has given them. They serve God by serving others. And they become a blessing in the kingdom of God. Because they obey God. I don't think it was because I looked so pitiful. I tried not to ever look pitiful, in those days particularly, because I was so pitiful, I tried not to look like it at all. So, 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 so Pansy Bryan, one of the great regrets of my life is that I did not know she had passed away, gone to be with the Lord until it was over and the funeral was over and I did not get to go. I would have gone from anywhere I was, if, possible if did it was humanly possible for me to do it, to be in the funeral that precious Dear Saint of God. But I love her to this day, and I remember her to this day, because God put her in my life. to be a great blessing to me at the time that I needed it. I, 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 I'm just picking people to tell you about right now. <laughs> i got so many people listed here. Carolyn's grandmother was a great woman of God. Her name was Lula, and uh, we all called her Granny. And she was, a, she was a mighty, a powerful woman of God. You don't remember her at all, do you? Or do you? You remember? One time she told me when she first came in, they were members of a high society church in Greenville, South Carolina. When she got going into Pentecost through a healing, she was healed herself. And she went over to check out that little church. J.D. Corner was the pastor I mentioned. Earlier. She went out to check out the old church oh, on the other side of the tracks in those days, where they were. And so she found something that she didn't have—a Pentecostal church where God's spirit was moving, came real in her life, and it was powerful to her. She told me one time, shortly after she became a Christian, she was praying, she was learning. She was a great prayer warrior. She, and, and she's the one who—oh, I just can't tell everything. She's the one who brought me through that old Louisville wheel that I just told you about a while ago, who kept it alive for me until Pansy bought me another one. So, <laughs> so, but she, but she was a great, great woman of God. And uh, one day I was talking to her, and, and, and uh, uh, she was telling me that God spoke to her and said, said Lula, if you will fast and pray for three days, this woman that you've heard about here is sick, whole community knew about it, she's very, very ill. And I presume at the point of death. I don't know if she told me that, but she's very, very ill. So she said that God spoke to me and said, if new Christian now, new baptized in the Holy Spirit, said to her, if you will fast and pray for three days, and go to her house and pray for her and lay hands on her, I'll heal her. And all she knew was that she'd been healed herself, but now she knew that God had baptized through the Holy Spirit, and God, she, she knew, said she knew God was speaking to her. So she did. She fasted and prayed three days. Then she went over to the woman's house, went in the house, laid her hands on her and prayed for her. And God raised the woman up right there, healed her. Just miraculously healed her. And that settled her faith right then. It was an experience with God where her faith was grounded and firm. And she was a woman of prayer, a prophetess of God, who believed God. Carol has great heritage. She's told you a little bit about her grandmother. Kelly. telling you. <clears throat> I was telling her some things over the last couple of days that her grandmother told me she didn't know that her grandmother had ever told me. That just about things. that We talked about the things of God. When my... Oh, my, i got to quit. Uh, when, when my old 57 Chevrolet, my old 57 Oldsmobile broke down to the transmission and just grinding, and it wouldn't work, she went and found somebody that she knew kind of a, on the outer edge of the family Really great mechanic found him and asked him if he would repair that car for me and for nothing. she was bold like that. She had a ministry of help. She just go in. And so she said, "Would you repair that?" Uh, my granddaughter's married to this little preacher who can't buy anything now. She didn't say that, but I'm sure she put up a story and and it was true. And there was that car wouldn't run was any good anyway, and that wouldn't even run transmission broken down. She found, I can tell you who it is, it doesn't matter, but she found somebody on the outer edges of the family. And he said, well, I'll help him. She said, who's going to buy the parts? She said, well, I was thinking you'd buy the parts for that. I'm, well, he said, well, I can do the work. Well, however she worked it out, she got it all done. That car got hauled away. That transmission got worked on and repaired and fixed, and I drove it from then on until Pansy gave me the Pontiac Ventura. So people... Her grandmother. I'm, th- I'm telling you about her grandmother. As somebody that I'm thankful for, I am thankful. I am thankful that I came to know grandmother Lula in my lifetime. It was a, it was a great experience to know her and to experience what she knew of the Lord that she planted and shared in my life. So I could tell you on about Robert and Leah Askew. I could tell you about Roy Johnson. I could could tell you about Rick Kendall. His brother was my associate pastor and youth minister at Calvary Temple. That's what he was doing when Roy came up to Jacksonville and met Mary. He came up because his brother was on my staff. That's why he was in my church. And, And Rick was a faithful, loyal associate with me. I think always had my interest at heart, the interest of the minister of our church at heart.
1: Gave himself
0: to the ministry. Went through a lot of difficult times, a lot of trials. But God has a way of bringing us through those things. And if we stay faithful to him, God brings us through everything and plants our feet in victory again. And so I what I want to say to you today, and I'm going to have to stop talking about all these people because I have. I have, no, I have no end, I think, to, to all of that list of people. So I will just tell you that God will put somebody in your life to bless you if you're open to receive it and accept it. God has people to help you. God has people to stand by your side in prayer. God has people who will link arms with you if you're walking in the will of God and stand with you. When the times are terrible, when the storms are there, when the trials come upon you, God has people to help you. But more important than that, God to help you be that person to somebody else who needs somebody to stand beside them, to hold them up, to support them, to help them along the difficulties and complexities that life brings to us. Somebody who wants to be a champion with you and for you. You want to be that person who is a victor and a champion. A strength builder for that person where God sends you. Don't just wait for somebody for God to send somebody to you. Be ready for God to send you to someone else where you see that need and they show you that need because God wants to use you. God wants to use you to become, to become that memorable person, to become that person in somebody's life that He will never forget. To be that person in somebody's life who will always, when they think about being thankful for having met somebody in this world, will think about you. I'm so glad that I met him. I'm so glad that I knew her. Because at the time of my need, God used them to take care of the issues of my life that I didn't understand. They stood with me. They helped me. They prayed for me. They believed in me. And they caused me to be able to take a stand for God and live for Him that I might not ever have been able to do support. You can be that person. That's the person God wants you to be. I've been that. I've, I, I, I've had that in my life, but more people than I can have named right here. But I would, but I will say this beyond everything else. With all of my heart, with all of my heart, I pray every day that I can be that kind of person for you. But I can be the person that you need to stand with you in prayer. It does not We don't have to sit down and have a conversation every day. If God speaks and lays you on my heart, and I've gone to several of you here. I was thinking about someone this morning who moved away, and I need to send him a text or, or a note to let him know that God put his son on my heart two weeks ago. and I haven't seen his son in not three or four years, maybe. But God put his son on my heart, and I prayed for him for several days and named his name before the Lord, called his name before God. And I need to let the father and mother know that that the Lord put him on my heart to pray for him. I want to be that kind of person, the kind of person that God has sent into my life who has helped me continue to walk in faithfulness. to God. I want to be that kind of person to you. I want to be that kind of pastor to you. I I'm not asking you to acknowledge. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. That's not what I'm asking you for, but I appreciate it. I'm just telling you, my heart. I believe God has put us together, you and me, for a purpose for His kingdom. We've seen some of it. We haven't seen all of it. But we're going to. And we'll know it. We'll know it. Because if we will be faithful to God, and in being faithful to God, faithful to each other, God is going to do great and mighty things. It's unlimited what we're going to see God do. I want to share something with you just for a moment this morning as I talk about Coming into this Christmas season. We've got a beautiful church. A beautifully decorated church that people have worked hard, expended hour after hour decorating the whole campus as well as the interior of the church that you see. And all of the, all that we see here we want to be a reminder to us. A reminder. Looking ahead, looking forward, keep ourselves reminded that the whole world was dark when Jesus came. And into that darkness, Jesus came and declared about himself, I am the light of the world. And that's what we celebrate with the beautiful lights that we have in our church this morning as you see these lights come on all around me. <laughs> and I, I don't know any better time, no better time that I could ever tell you than this time this morning, this time of the year to give your heart to Jesus. The greatest present you can bring to Him is yourself. To give your heart to Jesus, to be a to be a servant of God, to be a to be a to be a, whatever God calls you to be in His King, to be that person. And I say to you this morning, this is the time for you if you have not made that decision to do it. I want you to stand with. Me.